friends! Welcome to episode 249 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. Rob, are you thirsty? <sighs> Actually, I'm, I'm going to pour some tea here okay. in a second. <laughs> <laughs> it is February. It is our first system spotlight. I... I am not even going to get into how both of us are doing right now. <laughs> I would like to, to to get into the meat and potatoes of this as quickly as possible because there's a lot there's, that we've talked about with this. There's a lot going on, yeah. So we're doing a system spotlight tonight on Thirsty Sword Lesbians by Evil Hat Games. Yes. And uh, yeah. this is a bit of a wild ride. Yeah. Um, I'm going to premise this whole thing with kind of what I wrapped up with talking to you before we started the show. Yeah. And that is... I'm a narrative person. I mm-hmm. love narrative games. I love, uh, I love how uh, systems have moved to that. The whole you know, Powered by the Apocalypse kind of helped drive that further down the lane. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and and I also I like dramatic heroic stories, and, and, sure. and this kind of pushes that as well. Sure. I mean, and all of that being said. I'm kind of intimidated at the idea of running this and yeah. almost to the level of I don't think I could comfortably do it justice or or without making a lot of mistakes. Yeah, yeah. And, I um so the, the the good the good news about our particular duo is that uh, I am not one but two letters of LGBT. So yes. <laughs> yes. So I'm extra queer. Um so I can give you this the the, the queer perspective on, on a game like Thirsty Sword Lesbians, which is designed for um and by queer people yeah. to tell queer stories. Yeah. Um and yeah, I mean I can absolutely understand the perspective of looking at a game like that from a cishet uh you know, person and just going like I don't I don't know if this game is for me. And and I think the true answer is I don't know if it is. Yeah, um, I'll get into some of the other details that we had <clears throat> talked about as we as we move into the other sections of this. But I just I want people to have an understanding of of my perspective on this is that mm-hmm. I I I am giving it a thorough review. There is nothing I have no negative feelings about this. Yeah, sure. As far as the system, the way the book is written, honestly, it's beautiful, um, or anything that it supports. There's there's so much of this that is so good, but at the same time. Uh, it's the creation and the telling of the story that I would find daunting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, when we were talking earlier, the, the example I used was like, um, you know, BET, Black Entertainment Television. Um, and, like, you and I are both like white suburbanites, you yeah. know? And whereas BET, none of BET's uh, advertising or anything like that says, you know, white people are not welcome here, you know? Nothing's stopping you from turning on that channel and watching shows about the lives of black people, um, there, there's a certain realization that we are not the target audience no. for BET. And that's fine. Yeah. That's absolutely fine. We are not the target audience and not everything is made for us. Correct. That's perfectly fine that something wouldn't be made for us. And I think this is kind of falls in the exact same category, you know, mm-hmm. why someone like yourself would pick up Thirsty Sword Lesbians and feel intimidated by it, not really quite know how to approach it, feel like you would need to walk on eggshells while running it because you understand the sensitivity of the nature of some of the, the subject matter and such like that. Um, and I think it's okay. 
Yeah. I think it's okay to realize that this game is not for you. Yeah, I will I will say um, one thing that the book is 100% lacking, and I don't necessarily feel that it needs it. It's not a requirement. Sure, sure. Um, you know, because I'm a cis white guy, I don't need a section to teach me. I don't need you guys to write me a section of how I can play gay or lesbian characters. Mm-hmm. But that is not in here. This is not like Shang-Chi Blood in the Banquet Hall where it explains to you, hey – you're doing a cultural thing. Here are some guidelines and focus points. Yeah, there's no there's no attempt at cultural exchange. Right. It's not a le- this book is not a learning process. Right, right, right. It knows what it is. It is moving through it is moving into it and showing you some tools to be able to explore this if you're already involved. Mhm. So, that being said, <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> there's there's all your warnings at the beginning of this. Now we move in. I don't know if they're warnings. They're more. Well, they're more just commenta- co- commentary on where it sits culturally, and and before we start and, and our game and our direction yeah. on our, our thoughts and opinions. Yeah, sure, so, sure. All right. So right off the bat, let's just get this out of the way. Um, April Kit Walsh is the attorney who kind of started this, uh, and actually I think was the primary writer. Uh, April is. Uh, is trans and mm-hmm. actually has a section in the book that kind of d- uh, is a little bit of a outpouring. I think it was it was well written. Sure. Um, uh, but uh, they're an attorney for uh, Electronic Frontier Foundation, uh, and it kind of started development uh, back in 2017, and it was very slow, um, mostly just because there was a lot of processing of 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 how they wanted to do it and like poking and stuff, like all good game development. Um, Kanisha Bryant. Uh, was the is the illustrator on it, which is it's gorgeous. The illustrations are wonderful. I highly recommend if you uh, if you look at the cover and you like the art, the book is buried with it. It is it is great. Um, in October 2020, Evil Hat Productions picked up the Kickstarter. Uh, it closed on November 12th at uh, 298,000 uh, with only uh, 8,000 backers, uh, which was 15 times its. Uh, goal that's yeah that's because they didn't they didn't i mean especially for something that they did not expect to be a small just to be a small publishing because it was very niche sure um evil hat was like we're gonna have to delay the publishing on this because we've got to come up with stretch goals 15 stretch goals uh you know kind of a thing and instead they basically just ramped up production and the core book was received five months ahead of schedule i think it's great right they then went on to do a bunch of other stuff too but I think that right there was telling of where Evil Hat sat with the publication of this. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. the support. Um, it's been released with bundles of other things. Um, On itch.io, to... which is where actually I picked it up. Right, that's, right. That's where I got it. Yeah, and what's interesting is Evil Hat mm-hmm. supports all kinds of locations for us. You can get it on DriveThruRPG. You can get it at itch.io. All of those are are ways uh, that they're also uh, funding charitable donations. In fact... Um, one with a support uh, Transright in Texas. I think uh, that's the bundle I picked up. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, support for the Ukrainians. There's another one out there for that. Um, funny enough, or not funny enough, but in addition, uh, in November 2021, 20, uh, Evil Hat then kickstarted uh, the first expansion, which was Advanced Lovers and Lesbians, which <laughs> choice names on all of these. I just, lo- yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but it adds additional uh, character playbooks and 21 new settings. And there's a lot, there's a few settings already in this book. There's like six or seven already, which are, I think. pretty solid settings. Yeah, so, like, I'm, I'm intrigued that there's 21 additional ones out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Normally, we talk about the setting and feel, and I will flat out say I'm avoiding that section. And the reason being is because this game is not set in one setting. 
they give this is a mechanical set of rules effectively. Yeah. It is just yeah. a core rule set to be run in any setting. And but I do it's mean very genre agnostic. Yeah. And that's the thing is it's like it says it's thirsty sword lesbians with a sword in there. But the truth of the matter is is that you don't necessarily have to follow fantasy. In fact, the rules don't force it. Yeah, in fact, there, there's several there's several core settings in here that they suggest that are like there's like a cyberpunk one mm-hmm. and like a coffeehouse AU like you know one um, from the uh, from the settings section in the book. Uh, it says, take the premise of any story with swords and run it with thirsty sword lesbians, and you'll get a slash fic style version of the original, meaning more melodrama, more kissing, and more queerness. If you've ever shouted at a show, make it gay, you cowards, this game is here to help. Are you a fan of samurai dramas? Highlander? Wuja novels and films? Arthurian legend? Lightsaber duels? Any of these can be touchstones for a game of Thirsty Sword Lesbians. But at the same time, you can run mystery. Yeah. You can run intrigue. You can run uh, spy. All of that still fits within the rule system. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, without question. Like, without even adjustment. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's, it's the beauty of where this game can go. Um, that being said... Let's get into the mechanics. Sure. Let's just let's tear down because again, it's powered by the apocalypse. Enjoy. Yeah, you guys have you guys have heard the old powered by the apocalypse spiel a good number of times if you're a long listener of this show. So we have uh, our core resolution mechanic is two d six plus an attribute, mm-hmm. and we're going to be trying to uh, trying to get as high as we, on that as possible. If it's a ten higher, you have what's called an upbeat. That's success without consequence, or maybe it's got an extra opportunity tacked onto it. Seven to nine is what's going to be called a mixed beat. That's going to be success with consequences or with risk, or maybe you just didn't achieve all of what you were looking for. And uh, six and lower, you're going to have a downbeat, which mm-hmm. is not always a failure, but an extra complication or an ex- unexpected outcome might come out of that. Right, right. Uh, you also mark experience if you have a downbeat. Yeah, I, I, I like that generally within the Powered by the Apocalypse set. Mm-hmm. I think it I think it plays actually better in this. Yeah, agree. Um, agreed. Because... Consequences are great. Sometimes you really want consequences, and you actually lean into it. You may sure. choose to have a downbeat. Absolutely. Um, I like the I like the stats. I think the stats are kind of cool. Uh, d- daring, which is your arms and uh, skill at arms and force muscles, muscle, uh, and uh, you're in both muscle and personality. So whether you're being forceful, I would say like uh, taunting mm-hmm. is a great example of that. Yes. Yes. Um, Grace is your elegance, poise, and agility. Mm-hmm. I think I think that actually defines that better than dexterity by any means. Sure, sure. Um, heart, your emotional intelligence, whereas wit is your cleverness and knowledge. And then finally, spirit, which is your metaphysical powers and your integrity, which yeah. I think is great that they use integrity. Uh, it, it pulls all of these kind of pull me back to seventh C and mm-hmm. its choices for stats in the same way. So yeah, it, it does. It does kind of already speak to sort of that uh, that heroic sort of feel that it, yeah. that it's going for here. Yep. Um, now we've got a section we call emotional no damage, damage. <laughs> uh, because there in this game there are no hit points. There are just conditions, and none of those conditions are even physical. Uh, you've got angry, frightened, guilty, hopeless, and insecure. Reminded me a lot of Mouse Guard, actually. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I agree. Where uh, you 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 screw something up, you might you might come away from it angry or tired or mm-hmm. sick or something like that. Right. So um, these are all uh, negative emotional <laughs> states. Um, yes. 
Now, each condition places a minus two penalty on a common move. Uh, for instance, if you are angry, you are minus two to figure someone out. You're not thinking straight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> tish. Yes. Um, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, now, if you ever have all five conditions and would take a sixth, you are knocked out of the scene in whatever way is appropriate narratively. You're either physically incapacitated or you run away or whatever. Right. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, clearing these conditions uh, can be done with the emotional support move, mm-hmm. um, which has more applications than just clearing conditions. Right. But I would say that's the primary way of doing that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's essentially a another character coming to you and talking about you with your feelings, what caused them, mm-hmm. what do you need to happen, mm-hmm. and working you through it, giving you a little friend-to-friend therapy, you know? Yep, yep. Um, now, each condition also can be cleared. By doing a destructive act that is specific to it. Mm-hmm. I.e., if you are angry, you can clear it by breaking something that is valuable to you. Yep. And just working it out the good old-fashioned way. Scream into a pillow. But the key is, is there, it has to have value. It has to have value, exactly. It has a result that has an impact. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh and I would say most conflicts also should end with de-escalation, mm-hmm. uh, seduction, or discovery of a new twist. Um, it, it would be rare that you would defeat a foe by or be defeated by taking all of your conditions and, and being totaled out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, NPCs in particular may actually fold after one condition. Some of them who are particularly mean or intent or willful may take all five. Yeah, and keep once we get into the DM section, there are sometimes results from getting a condition, yep. a response, if you will. Yep. So, Which makes sense as we start getting into it. Uh, so then we go to strings. It's um, kind of the heart of yeah, a, a, in a major component to the system. I, I would say this is probably like the core, like the core. You, uh, I would say it's a unique mechanic because Monster Hearts actually uses the same, the same system. I feel that it's it, it is a a key currency. Yes, and I I I'm gonna say currency. It's it, well, it is, it is, and it's intrinsic as things like bennies to mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. to to Savage Worlds or drama dice to Seven C, mm-hmm. Fate tokens to Fate. Um, uh, inspiration to D and D strings mm-hmm. are going to be what you're accumulating in this game. Um, those represent influence over a person, uh, either by an emotional bond, i.e., you have they're a friend of yours, possibly a lover of yours, or someone maybe you have like a negative influence over, like blackmail. Um, but one way or another, though, a string is that ability to kind of tug on their heart string. That's mm-hmm. where they've they've mm-hmm. they've got the, uh, the the word from. Um, to basically say, hey, come on, it's me. You want to do this. Mm-hmm. And for better or for worse, they do. Mm-hmm. Um, GMs also get string. Mm-hmm. The, the gay master. Yes. Um, also gets a uh, one string per player that they can use uh, for their NPCs to mm-hmm. do things. Um, and basically a string can just be expended to uh, influence the decisions of, um, of that particular character. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't even have to roll if you spend a string. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that that's kind of the really good. Like it's it's it is you're calling in a uh, calling in a marker basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, if you ever get four strings on someone, you can expend them all to get plus two XP and learn something vital about them. Yep. So you still advance your your intimacy with that person. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do kind of reset the clock uh, yes. on top of all that. Yep. Um, 
And these are all kind of tied into another move that's very intrinsic to uh, to the gameplay, and that is influence with a string. Mm-hmm. Does exactly what it says on the tin. Yep. Um, you spend a string, you do one of the following. Offer XP to do something. Mm-hmm. Don't spend the string if they refuse. Yep. Um, find out what it'll take for them to do what you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, add one to a roll against them after rolling. Mm-hmm. Or add or subtract one from a roll they made after they roll. Yep. So you could hin- hinder or help someone with, with strings. Mm-hmm. They're pretty powerful altogether. Yeah, and, and a lot of times, you'll, I would say in a narrative explanation, strings often should be looked at like the quips during a fight. Like, you may think you're doing well... Uh, and in defending yourself, and then the person makes a comment and you slip up mm-hmm. in your action. That's them basically uh, increasing the difficulty or getting one up on you kind of a thing. Um, likewise, uh, spending a, uh, spending a, str- uh, a uh, string might be them forcing you to become angry. Yeah. And influencing that you you now are no longer the calm samurai who's fighting them with like a almost a cold edge of you guys just suck at this and I'm I'm thinking of blue eyed samurai yeah to the oh you're just a demon mm-hmm. and then it's here's your string show me how much of a demon you really are you're angry yep I don't want to be angry what'll it take to make you angry <laughs> call me a demon <laughs> one more time. Second string comes out, okay. demon. <laughs> you know, and that's the thing is that you're you're pushing that envelope, yeah, right to get to get a response. That's where strings kind of sit in this, yeah. And of course, you've got other moves that yeah. uh, that are that are, that are com- kind of in that common pool. Uh, smitten mm-hmm. uh, is a self declared move that uh, signals your intent for kind of emotional entanglement with another character. Um, this is basically to create drama and interaction. Okay. I mean, the game operates under the understanding that you want to get into, you know, fanfic levels of melodrama with the other characters in the, in the story. Sir, are we supposed to get involved? How, it, yes. How, How involved? involved? Very, very <laughs> involved. Yes. Yeah, so that's right where we're sitting with this. Uh, so yeah, if, if when you when you declare yourself smitten, it kind of opens yourself up to a lot of other like emotional entanglements and stuff like sure. that. Sure. Um, and it, again, it's a voluntary move. Um, uh, finally, kiss in a dangerous situation. I absolutely adore this move. The first one that I actually thought of was uh-huh. True Lies. I could see it when he I could see when it. when he's defending his wife after they get caught by the terrorists. Uh huh. And, and like he kisses her and then immediately just starts wiping people out. Yeah. Like kind of a thing. Like it's it's clearly that that moment ends with the kiss. Right. And sets the thing in motion. Um, but I love it. I love that it is there to basically uh, give a chance for survival. Yeah. You yeah. know. That you're going to make it through this but kind it, of a but thing. But it requires some smoochies. It does. It, 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 <laughs> an emotional connection. You know? I was, we were watching Farscape last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the first time I've ever I've ever watched Farscape. And, uh, uh, yeah, uh, two, two of the main characters uh, in a tight situation. Mm-hmm. Oxygen's running low. Shuttlecraft mm-hmm. is stranded. And just as the big thing happened, of course, she leans in and just 
smooches him. Yep. And yep. yep. They had the awkward moment afterwards where they're like, we're not going to talk about this, are we? That never happened. Mm-hmm. Heat of the moment and all that jazz. The oxygen was low. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's why it happened. Uh, Luke and Leia, for luck. Yeah, that one got awkward. <laughs> Did it? Well, it got awkward because in, uh, in, in Empire Strikes Back, she full-on smooches him right in front of Han Solo to make him jealous. Again, I don't think that that's outside of the context of what this game tries to promote. Yeah, it's, fair enough. It's not a kiss for... that. The kiss for luck was clearly the kiss before a dangerous situation. The other one, on the other hand, was a move. <laughs> without a doubt, to set something in motion. Yeah, to create drama. I just don't will. know if pulling out the sibling pair is, uh, is, is is really what you want to talk about. The, the ba- <laughs> Good examples of kisses. Again... I'm trying to set the... Uh, I, I, again, they didn't know. Yeah. Those players didn't know their characters were brother and sister. That's a whole other dramatic level that was created later. That's true. That's <laughs> true. That's true. So... Uh, but then also there's there's the emotional support um, uh, move. And mm-hmm. uh, I mentioned it earlier when I was talking about recovering from conditions. Um, but it's also kind of to deepen those emotional moments, um, especially with those who are smitten. Mm-hmm. Um to to it is an invitation to engage on an emotional level with another character. Yeah, um, and I, I think it's really that's kind of really what what the core of this whole game is about. Uh, this one in again in a not romantic yet still very emotionally charged moment, mm-hmm. Hawkeye, where he whistles the the secret whistle to uh, have uh, her sister stop trying to kill him mm. because she immediately it ends her anger. Right there. It yeah. stops it and opens it into an emotional discussion of how do you know that? Yeah, yeah. And that right there, that is that is emotional support in a different way. Yeah, sure. But it, it again, it still it mm-hmm. collapses the moment back to a dramatic moment of you had a connection with her too and I don't know how to handle that now. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I can see good examples out there in media in in various places oh absolutely that, absolutely that are not necessarily thirsty or lesbian all of these things are very tropey um and i think i think anybody who relishes in in melodrama especially anybody who's ever read fan fiction of anything like immediately recognizes a lot of these a mm-hmm. lot of these tropes and um they're just they're just fun there's just it's fun to lean into these tropes sometimes you know mm-hmm. I, I for some stupid reason tropes have gotten a bad name Nothing, um, nothing wrong with them. There's absolutely nothing wrong with them, and it's it's super fun to just be campy about them. Sometimes helps helps with the detachment from reality. Let's yeah. just say that. Playbooks. One of the greatest things about character creation in Powered by the Apocalypse is the ease. Absolutely, this Blood game playbook with a highlighter and a pen does the same thing for you, and yep. I love it. I love also how they classified these simply. Mm-hmm. I mean. You can read these by name and know what it is. And I, I think that's one of the keys to Power of the Apocalypse that has always been good in, in some of the best designs is when you read a playbook's name, you already have a feeling of what you're getting into. Not only that, but one of the things that Thirsty Sword Lesbians does very well is it um, immediately engages with what the drama of playing that playbook is. Exactly. Okay. Um, right in the opening section... Um, it does. It gives a brief description of what what it is, and it finishes by saying, "The conflict here is living their truth versus fitting in with the dominant social order." 
The Beast. The Beast. Yes. The yes. Chosen. Inner Truth versus Crushing Social Expectations. Mm-hmm. You know? And then you go on and uh, in the uh, uh, at the end of each playbook, there is like a two or three paragraph section mm-hmm. talking about how to play that playbook, what sort of um, stories you should expect if you do engage with that playbook, mm-hmm. and what you should bring to the table um, to add to the to, to add to the melodrama. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, um, there is what is this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of them in the mm-hmm. main book. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got the Beast, like we said, the Chosen, the Devoted, which is devotion versus self care. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like a paladin sort of character. Mm-hmm. Uh, the infamous. Uh, the infamous is um, if anybody watched Shira and the Princess of Power, um, this would be uh, like Catra mm-hmm. in the later seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, past actions and beliefs versus new convictions of the redeemed villain. Um, I mean, you could also say the same thing about uh, uh, Jesus. I've lost. Uh, 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 I've lost it. Um, Avatar. Zuko. Zuko. Yeah, yep. yeah. Very, Z- very, Z- Zuko's an infamous. Yes. Very much an infamous. Uh, the nature witch, um, new to socializing, more connected with nature than people. Mm-hmm. I suppose you could get kind of that babe in the woods sort of uh, sort of uh, uh, character. Yeah. Uh, the scoundrel, um, urge to explore new horizons versus committing to purpose of security. Uh, this is a Han Solo style character. Yeah, very much so. Uh, the 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 dashing rogue that uh, doesn't want to be tied down, but mm-hmm. finds themselves entangled with people they care about, anyways. Yeah. Um, the seeker uh, is uh, a weird one that I don't know that the name of the playbook really does it much justice. Uh, this is someone who comes from a toxic background that is basically trying to learn how to be their own person. Well, I mean, think seeking. Is all they do. Sure. So uh, so the Seeker is, uh, Seeker's major conflict is tradition and upbringing versus justice and developing themselves, mm-hmm. i.e. trying to figure out who they are and separate it from their toxic background. Yep. Uh, the Spooky Witch, pressure to conform versus their own desires of those or their monstrous friends. I'm going to go back to Seeker for a second for a reference sure. point. Uh, Malf- uh, Luc- uh, not Lucius Malfoy, but um, uh, Draco. I think there's a certain element of that in there. Uh, no. Because his, his past ish. is toxic. I don't think he ever gets past it, though. That's the thing. At the very... Again, we're we're doing movies versus books. There's a whole something to be said there. But I would say at the end. Yeah, fair enough. He's he's He, he makes a lot of advancement in the very last few parts of the story. Um, but again, he's going from a very toxic opening of what he is meant to do, tradition and upbringing, mm-hmm. versus is am I a baddie? Right. How how do I how do I resolve this with what I can do now without losing my family? You know, I, I think that's very much a seeker. Sure, sure. It's a uh, spooky witch. And then lastly, you've got yeah. uh, you've got the trickster, yes. um, desiring closeness while fearing vulnerability. Yes. How do you? How do you stay alone and aloof, but also open yourself up to... Now, this is where I'm going to step in for just a second, because I I feel that this is important. At the opening onset of this uh, today, I had sent a little 
little blurb to Sarah. And uh-huh. I think after going through all the playbooks, I want to be able to say this. This is actually before the foreword of the book. This is like in the like, hey, this is Creative Commons. You can copy and paste. And factually, the, just before this, this actual paragraph, there's a section that says, if you work at a copy center, consider this consent on us allowing you to let the people make photocopies. Sure. And then it says this. This is a game where people make up stories about wonderful, terrible, impossible, glorious things. All the characters and events portrayed in this work are fiction and worth celebrating. Any resemblance to real people is purely coincidental or is possibly a Mary Sue self-inserting character. (laughs) If you feel called out by the playbooks, that's between you and your therapist. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So I'm putting that out there. If anything we just read made you go... Oh God, oh, that's me! Oh God, that's me! Oh, that's the book my will call you out. Yeah. Good luck with your therapy this week. Yep. Yes, that's where I'm gonna leave that one. Maybe so. you should play one. Yeah. Or maybe you um, shouldn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there is that. There is that. So, advancement. Uh, yeah. I mean, advancement's pretty standard. Powered by the apocalypse. Yeah. You're an XP. You get to a certain XP threshold. You check something new on your playbook. You mm-hmm. check enough stuff on your playbook. Maybe you retire your character. You get a happily ever after. I'm gonna get to that. I love it. Sure. Um, settings. We kind of talked about this. There's a lot of options that they give you in here, which is nice. Um, they start, I, I think, but there's five core ones that they put in here. Um, there's the Star Cross Galaxy, which is kind of space opera. Uh, there's uh, the Lesbian Coffee House. Less Beans. Sorry, Less Beans Coffee House. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which is basically just a coffee shop. Like, yeah. what swords are in a coffee shop? Uh, right, me, and the, some... the major conflict is basically against gentrification mm-hmm, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, which makes sense. Um, uh, Neon City twenty ninety nine. If you can't guess it, Cyberpunk by the name, don't go into it. Yep. <laughs> uh, the three orders of Ardor. Yeah. Yes. This one was weird. It's like sex workers as holy warriors. First off, I've I know that anime. Second off, I will not be discussing it. Right. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, the last one is their steampunk, or and I love it, pulp warrior poets, um, and it's uh, what is it? Les violets uh, dangerosis. Les violets dangerosis. Um, I was close. I was close. Never, never, never studied French. Yes, uh, but I think that's fantastic. Warrior poets is great. Okay, there is a game master, gay master, gay master section. Um, but before I get into heavy details, I will set some things, four points in here. And that is, this game is not about sex, but it is quite thirsty. You have to understand that stepping into this, that the point of this is drama. And that drama literally resting on the knife edge of desire. Mm-hmm. And that desire is not necessarily always about kissing. It's the cutting edge between anger and frustration and longing and need. Yeah. It's a and, deeply emotional game. Yes. And yes. it's about emotional intimacy. Yeah. Which sometimes is paired with physical intimacy. Yeah. Something that is not common in games that don't even grace narrative. That is not a discussion topic. So understand that you're going... If you if you went from D&D to this, it's, it's more than just going from nighttime to daytime. It's going to be very, very different. Mm-hmm. If you don't have to be gay or bi or any other letter of the LGBTQ plus landscape to interact with this game and enjoy it. But you do have to know what you're getting into and be respectful at the table. Yes, agreed. Without, like, it's just a duh, okay? <laughs> Straight up. If you d- change your heart, 
or step away. Mm-hmm. That, that's literally your two options there. Yep. Um, number three, this game is exceptionally clear about what it accepts, and this should be law at the table, without a doubt, or honestly, really any table, um, unless you're specifically telling a story to address it. And and, and I like this section, yeah. that they literally open the section with no facets, uh, fascists or bigots allowed. Basically, it comes down to respect, respecting everyone, respecting all of their their styles, both physically, emotionally, sexually, attraction, uh, baggage, culture. Mm-hmm. Just just accept it. Yeah. Just just be respectful. Everyone is different. Every- everyone has their own story to tell, right. and everyone is just as valid as you are. And lastly, don't demand that anyone education educate you about their marginalizations. Mm-hmm. That is not what this game is about. This isn't about you you having them explain themselves and define it. Right. That that you don't need to do that. And lastly, say yes as much as you can, even if it includes a but in there. Yes, but is a thing. No is acceptable because you don't want your PCs to treat NPCs as dolls that they can just control at willy nilly. Mm-hmm. They are people. Yeah. They are just as emotionally connected. And consent happens for everyone, PC and NPC alike. Yes. So if it is not asked or accepted, that's a no. Mm-hmm. So and no I, is a complete it sentence. Doesn't, yeah, it doesn't mean that they can just drop down a, a string and say, uh, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just kiss them outright. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that, that would never happen with this person. Right. It's just they, that's not happening. Mm-hmm. You can do that. That is 100% acceptable. That being said, they do have a lovely section here on the safety tools. They they lean hard into Kina Sean, Lauren, uh, Bryant Monk's uh, TTRPG safety toolkit, which I highly recommend. If you've never looked at it, go look at it. Um, but they also include some direct references like the palette. Okay, so when, you, when you're in a session zero, the palette of concepts that you want to include... So think of it like a paintbrush palette, um, and that you don't want to include. This isn't just lines and veils, right? This is the this is what all games should be doing at the in their session zero of like I don't want to include anyone under the age of twenty. Yeah. Okay, great. That's a straight. That's part of the palette. At the same time, you can say anything that involves physical intimacy, regardless of of who it's between. Can we just veil that? Mm-hmm. Great. These can change as the story goes on and even be acceptable with scenes, but it needs to be understood when that's coming around, that communication. Sure, sure. This is where the check card comes in, and I like the idea of the check card over just an X card. All the check card excuse me, does is sit on the table. It is a simple check that sits on the table that if, if someone seems uncomfortable or that the subject matter is starting to stray to a sensitive topic, or even it's just been a long time since anyone has had a break, someone can literally put their finger on the check, and it's 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 a soft pause of, like, we're just checking it. Mm-hmm. It's often a good idea for storytellers to put their finger on the check and say, hey, guys, this next scene is going to grace close to one of our palette points. Mm-hmm. And I know we accepted this, and you guys are all good with this thing, but I want to let you know that this next scene is going to have some intensity. Sure. And then you take your finger off the check, and you keep rolling. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like a pause button. That's all it is. It's not as hard as the X card, which they do include, um, to understand when something is hit a line or a veil or a condition. So the idea is is that you, stepping into the X card, it's not just a, necessarily a hard stop, 
but having the understanding of just a simple communication of like my line is that I don't want any uh, anti-trans bigotry within the story. Great. The veil is that anti-trans bigotry can be a feature of the patriarchal society in the setting, but I don't want to deal with it. I don't want it to come up in the story other than to be part of the framework that we all understand is going on the outside. And the condition is I'm okay with having trans bigotry depicted as long as the bigotry is clearly in a villainous state and as long as it's not allowed to win. Yeah. Like, those are very good, clean understandings Mm -hmm. of how you can step through a line, a veil, or a condition where an X card is a good example of stepping in. Then that's just because maybe it didn't come up within the palette uh, of understanding at the beginning of the game. And that's why it's flexible. Yep. Exactly. All right. Let's step into some principles. Sure. So... Basic principles of the game are really well outlined. There's actually a bunch of them. Um, But I like that they help you with this uh, stepping through. For be excited about your PCs and the stories. This is kind of a normal thing for any... Yeah, be a fan of your players. It's pretty much printed on the cover of every PBTA uh, book. Pretty much, pretty much. Uh, Make the world action-packed and perilous. Mm -hmm. This kind of brings us back to that drama, is, is that the world is dramatic, and that is what is driving stress into the story yeah but it is not the action of the story that's the key here is that there may be peril at the corners of at every corner but it isn't what the story is about it is just driving uh, it is the flow of the river right right it's the rocks that are going to hurt you and that's the thing is is that that's where adversaries can be appealing Mm-hmm. So, for instance, they might poke at your PC's existing emotional conflicts, or an adversary who represents uh, one prong of the PC's central emotional dilemma is going to be exceptionally powerful. Yeah. And and that's those are the rocks within the current. So you might be having an alien invasion going on. But that's not what you're that that's not what the story is. Right. The story is about you and the uh, and your command staff at the superheroes place dealing with your inner conflicts about control and leadership Mm -hmm. you know versus the world falling apart and these are all who's left to hold on to right right i was thinking back to like uh uh, stuff like uh, independence day you know yeah is it a movie about an alien invasion or is it uh or is it a movie about a uh a scientist reconnecting with his estranged father and his jewish faith yeah that, that's a great great point. Lost in space. Yeah, exactly. Is it a story about a family trying to get home? Or is it a story about a family possibly losing each other? Right. In and, a strange and, and coming closer together through that adversary. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, Marvel as a whole is really an emotional ride. Mm-hmm. If you look at all of the stuff altogether, the story is not about the components of what's going on. Sure. Those are kind of BS. Sure. It's never Good comics never have been. Mm-hmm. I dare say, like, anybody who's read any of the most more recent Batman and Catwoman stuff, you get my drift. <laughs> any any queer person who ever interacted with X-Men whatsoever. True. Sure. True. It's about mutant powers. Sure, guys. Sure. Uh, likewise, uh, if you're following any of the uh, the, the Harley story, cur- current live-action comic, mm. <laughs> that is that is not about the misadventures of a villain. <laughs> Perhaps not. So uh, create a space for PCs to feel their feelings. Mm-hmm. This is where things get different. It's not so much making it a, a necessarily a safe space. It's about 
having them have complex feelings within that space. And ask questions of like, when something happens, how does this make you feel? And if they have a response, it might warrant a condition. And that's the, that's really the key there, is that you, you're, you're, you're pushing the envelope. You're picking at the scab that is there, yeah. right? Until it comes off and then you're like, yeah. oh, you're going to need a Band-Aid for that because that's going to hurt. Uh-huh. And that's... That's that's the key to that right there. Yeah, it's it's called it's it's called poking the hornet's nest. Yeah, yeah. This is this is emotional manipulation one hundred and one. Honestly, I it think is. E- even even if uh, if if you take nothing away from thirsty sword lesbians, this is a great technique to learn. Yeah, this is this is me putting a dude you haven't seen since the first uh, since the first session of our game in a pub next to a bandit. That you had forgotten about mm-hmm. after you tortured him for information, mm-hmm. sharing a beer, looking you in the eye and calling you killer. Yep. You didn't have to pull a string. I didn't have to pull a string on that one. No, right. It that was, was there. That was just me going, how do I get the point across that this is the theme? <laughs> yes. Yes. So, and back to the, the, the real point, which is make the story vivid and personal. Right? So... In a fight, the game asks how asks the character relationships will change, not who's better at swinging the sword. Mm-hmm. In investigation, the questions are about who's involved and their motivations, and who's using the situation to their advantage. It's not the investigation; it's everything that's emotionally wrapped around it. Yep. And I think that's you used to see that in a lot of the the investigative cop dramas. It was about why they did it, not the act. Uh-huh. The act. The act was easy to figure out. The act was just the inciting incident. Everything else was the interesting part. Right. And and that's what comes out of this. Yep. So you're tailoring to the PC's emotional conflicts and relationships. But that is the hardest part of this game as a storyteller, right? They do make some notes. They Then they suggest that you do this, that when your PCs are making their characters, you're looking, basically watching them write their personal conflicts for you. Mm-hmm. So that you have a score sheet of what you've got to hit. Sure. Right? Sure. When they write those personal conflicts, they're essentially asking for those things to be involved. Right. And that's where the playbooks really shine for the storyteller is mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of giving them a short list of of a pick list. Yeah. Of of what their what moves are going to push in that direction. And that takes a lot of the legwork off the storyteller, off it, the game master. Sorry. It, it really does. It really does. Like devoted may receive orders they don't want to follow. Mm hmm. That's or, the central conflict. Right. Or the Chosen might see the consequences of denying their destiny. Like, that's that's huge. Yeah. Like... They got some choices to make. So, but it sets those balls in motion based upon what's on those sheets. Mm-hmm. But it also requires the PCs to very much follow their sheets. Yeah. Doesn't mean they can't change playbooks. That's like, well, there's a whole thing about that. Mm-hmm. PCs who have become smitten or have basically given you a gift by signaling a part of the narrative they want to be focused on. Oh, yeah. And I think that's the key to smitten is is it can't be just used willy-nilly. You're literally pointing the story in a direction. And And, it's kind of beautiful. Because it's a voluntary move. Right. You you, you can't just be like, oh, you're smitten with this person. Okay, now, now I have to force myself to give a crap about them. Yeah. You know. No, it's a voluntary move. You you see an opportunity. You see an NPC do something that that you know catches your eye, and you're like, "Oh, I am definitely smitten." Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, I can work with that. Yeah, yeah. 
You are yeah. smitten with this. I'm going to make a little note here. You are smitten with them. Cool. We're, yeah. That's we're going to loop back around to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I go to Brock Samson and a certain woman that he is very smitten mm-hmm. with and can't do anything about, really. <laughs> yep. There are GM narrative moves, and there are GM mechanical moves. And because this game is primarily narrative, they want to give you as many assets to think about that. Um, highlighting an adversary's appeal, poking the dilemma... Offering conditional love, I love that concept. Mm. Like, 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 a parent is a great way to bring conditional love into a situation. Yep. Um, love that uh, their love earns them a new enemy. Mm-hmm. Like that—that that is a thing. It happens rather juvenilely, but does occur. Um, give them an ultimatum, or escalate the stakes of a conflict. Mm-hmm. Basically through an action. Mechanically, you have strings, just like a story. You, you you get some right off the bat. For as many players as you have, you have free, basically, generic strings that that rebirth every single session. So you always have strings. Mm-hmm. Um, you get some through the game by use and stuff, because they, they float toward you. But you don't just say, say like, they get a string on you. It's, it's, the, it's the act that, dri- excuse me, that drives it. And I think... That's where a challenge can kind of come in is you have to be very creative to be able to say, okay, well, how am I going to pull a string on this person right now, right? Like, I've I've disarmed them through mm-hmm. this other action. I want to pull a string on them. Oh, got it. They're before me at my, t- at, you know, at, at sword tip waiting to die. Instead, I'm going to just lift their head with my finger. My blade is away. Uh-huh. Give them a look and walk away. Yep. Like, that's just pull of a string right there. Yep. What is it? That's a discussion between you and that player. Was that a moment? Right. Was that just mercy? Yep. Did did we almost kiss? Yeah. Wait, come back here. Exactly. <laughs> like, I'm not done with you yet. <laughs> that's Clear. a string. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, inflict a condition is a, is obviously a thing, um, but you've got to figure out what makes sense for that, whether they're angry, whether they're tired, like all kinds of things. Sure. Um, make them stagger. That's a, a great... Uh, moment staggering is a uh, is is kind of an interesting check on its own, but it's it's because it's not a condition; it's a temporary thing that uh, that changes the state a little bit. Um, or offer them XP to make an unwise decision. I I feel that this fits within the same as like using a string to get them to in, act in a certain way. Um, but it it that's, kind of also that's old school fate. That's, yeah, uh, that's that's compelling aspect. Correct. Correct. Here's a fate token. If you take a dive. But the point is, is that you can do it even if you don't have strings to lay out or if a string doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. You can still push that person in a direction to be like, hey, uh, your character is very devoted. Why don't you, uh, why don't you make him a deal mm-hmm. to get what you want? Ooh, I shouldn't make a deal with this person. Okay. You're devoted to your cause. Mm-hmm. Seems like a pretty simple way to get to that. So, uh, the GM moves are, are also out there per playbook, so they can give you that direct turnaround, like we were talking about. Like, the beast, you can describe the collateral damage that they cause. Yeah, right. Yeah. Whether it's physical or otherwise. If you've got a devoted in your party, uh, you know, yeah. present them with fanta- uh, fanatics amongst allies and enemies alike. Yeah, that that is that is a I did that to uh one of the players in my game, my D&D mm-hmm. game. I was like, I gave them fanatics. Yep. 
and devotees that they were like, uh oh <laughs> that's uh, uh that's actually a, r- a really great um uh character from uh the wheel of time series this guy mm-hmm. named Masima mm-hmm. and uh he's uh uh the, you know, the, when the savior, the savior or possible destructor of all mankind, the dragon reborn, is mm-hmm. revealed, uh, he becomes a like huge devotee worshiper. Mm-hmm. And uh, at first, it's real cool because it's like, hey, you can get Masima to do all sorts of stuff because he's so devoted to the dragon. Mm-hmm. And then he starts doing all sorts of stuff, and you're like, hey, Masima, can you tone down the cultist energy just a little bit? Yeah. Hey, Masima, can you stop committing war crimes in the dragon's name? Just. Just once, just chill. I didn't ask you to do this. Yeah, yeah. and and it, it I'm gets out of hand. Small spoilers, but yeah, it comes to a head at a, at a certain point where the dragon has to do something about it. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are examples of this in movies that I'm not going to get into because some of them get pretty creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, the spooky witch judged their friends for uh their for associating with them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, trickster show them uh show them someone being vulnerable and suffering for it. Not them. Someone else. Someone else. Give them an example of what happens when you open up to people. Yeah. Nothing good ever comes from it. You should shut down entirely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a condition usually follows uh, but, that one up. But you're so lonely. You're so lonely. <laughs> um, but the thing we talked about earlier, when NPCs get conditioned, specifically formidable NPCs, mm-hmm. um, their conditions may trigger something, which kind of makes sense. If they get anger, maybe they lash out and hurt a bystander. If they're frightened, maybe they're f- they force the PCs to choose between letting an NPC flee versus some other disaster. Mm-hmm. You know, we often do that with um, we talk about that with villains where they're just like, "What are you going to do? Stop the bomb or come get me?" Yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, guilty. Uh, g- call the out the uh, PCs misdeeds. Don't know if that's ever been done. Uh, hopeless. <laughs> offer a deal. Right. Yeah. Uh, insecure. Escalate the violence to a new level, meaning maybe it goes from words to weapons. Maybe it goes from weapons to lethal intent. Maybe lethal intent goes to disregard for their own well-being or even collateral damage. Yeah. I love that line, that it's insecurity that drives that. Mm-hmm. This, I will flat out say, this section is fantastic for any game. Oh, it absolutely is. Remembering this right here. When your NPC is involved with other PCs, when they're at their moment, yeah, that you can do one of these emotional manipulation one hundred and one within mm-hmm. a narrative context within the narrative when, context. within a narrative context. Yes. So that being said, I kind of want to close the narrative uh, of the uh, ge- ge- the gay master section with some stuff that I read, and uh-huh. I think this is I think this is very good. Um, Jansen Parks, who's part of UK Tabletop Magazine, said, um, The biggest modification that Power Play Pocket System uses is the use of strings, tokens that represent emotional influence over another player. These fuel, these are the fuel that keeps the romantic bonfire burning. And while the practicalities of this system can be a little fiddly, if you have a large cast of NPCs, you can end up with a mass of different uh, tokens. Um, and I, I could see that being a challenge. Mm-hmm. So keeping your NPC cast tight is helpful but it also limits the the drive of drama within the story mm-hmm. um so understand that the tokens don't represent a direct link meaning i give you this token and this is what this token means or it's tied to specifically only this momentary npc right right, right. 
it is over that NPC, but it's still a token that can be spent. Mm -hmm. That's the key there. Um, the second is, uh, um, I think it's, I'm going to try and get this right. Uh, Heigl Yort uh, uh, Longhout, I think is pronounced it properly. Hilke? Possibly. Hilke Yort Langhout. See, you're better at these than I am way better at these. I am not dyslexic. Yes. that that Thank you. Um, <laughs> but they're from Gaming, G-A-Y-M-I-N-G Magazine. Playing as the Game Master is very different experience from other games that have Game Master and needs to be comfortable running lots of NPCs that can be romantically appealing to other characters. There are guidelines for adjusting the rules to accommodate not playing with a lot of romance, but the default rules do assume that a large amount of flirting and romantic connection. Uh, so that's how we played it. It knows what game it wants, and it knows exactly what it wants from its players. And if my group wasn't a good fit for it, that's not the game's fault. Yeah, yeah. And I feel that that is true for this game in many ways. You can play this game at a much lighter level than tr than hard romance, but it removes a lot of the functionality of why. Right? Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, understanding that concept about any system that is presented before you is that the game is meant to be played a certain way and it is not the game's fault if it doesn't fulfill what your table needs or likewise if your table is unprepared for what it needs to fulfill yeah yeah i agree it just isn't a good fit uh, i mean i think this 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 dovetails very nicely into you know the what we always close our our system spotlights with which is what it does well and what it doesn't do well exactly um, and i i think uh that's kind of that's that's kind of a, a on both lists for me mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is that this game knows exactly what it is mm -hmm. and it is built to do exactly what it does. Yeah. Um. And I I was simultaneously uh in love with and disappointed by this game because I I think it's beautiful and I think it's I'm really glad that it exists. Mm -hmm. But simultaneously, I have to acknowledge that's not a game I would play. It's just not the type of role-playing experience I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. I I like a lot of emotional entanglement, but I don't like it to be the main focus. Mm -hmm. Like, while the cyberpunk dystopia is going on, I want to get involved with some NPCs, but I'm not looking for my involvement with the NPCs to be the main focus on a cyberpunk backdrop, you dig? Right. Um, and that that's, I feel like, what this game is offering. Mm -hmm. If that is what you're looking for, this is an amazing game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was not what I personally was looking for. Yeah. I feel that it sits in the same genre of if, if your table, primarily sitting around it, all really enjoy JRPGs and the interpersonal conflicts that they generate, mm -hmm. you're probably going to like this game. Mm -hmm. You're probably going to get attached to it. It's all going to make sense, and the mechanics will be fantastic. Yeah, for absolutely, you. absolutely. And on that's, the... not, that's not to say that like I I wasn't inspired by this game. Oh no, I, no, 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 no. I see flashes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm -hmm. I absolutely see Shira, Princess of Power, in there. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, just uh, there's there's some really great stories that this could pull off amazingly well as the system that that portrays it. You know. Yeah, and and I I again I I see. Every flavor of story that I've ever ran mm -hmm. um, have been more of the backdrop to the connections with the characters in this. I even see your current game, your uh, Savage Worlds game that we're currently playing in, having many 
comparable moments that sure. this game would would easily be mechanically able to help depict better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you've got an amazing cast of characters that we've learned about and connected with, mm-hmm. and we have these ties to that do emotional damage to us. Yeah, absolutely. And and emotional growth. Um, if, if we didn't have the other dice to deal with, of combat and 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 discovery and intrigue, that's the game, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a different layer. That we don't have to engage with. This game forces that. Yeah. And I think yeah. in that sense, um, I'm gonna step. I'm gonna kind of step away so I don't. I don't sit too hard in the negative. So what I think it does well. Yeah. And as a narrative story is, is that um, it has amazing examples of the moves, the narrative weaving, how to use the powered by the apocalypse tools that are exist, like clocks and pressure. Um, it explains pacing exceptionally well, mm-hmm. um, because that I, I think that could be challenging for storytellers who are trying to figure out a short campaign or a long campaign. They 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 do a great job of even discussing like rogue dice, which is something that really doesn't come up much in Powered by the Apocalypse games discussions. But like the idea that like bad things happen in dice in narrative games and you have to figure out how you're going to manage that. And like, yeah. XP for when things start falling down is fine, right? That's that's still recovery. That's still moving forward. Understanding influence using strings so you can change the dice a little bit, right? Or just the simple adding of consequences. The fact that you don't have hit points, that, you, that you're not just going to disappear, mm-hmm. right? Um, and they have probably one of the finest examples of short and long form. They have a five-page stream of game where it's player and story oh yeah and i I love that yeah every role every explanation kind of you know emotional feeling it was like this is great it's Mm -hmm. like a live play that you can read yeah you know where it's normally that's broken out all through a book and it's you're finding little bits and pieces this is just a straight up like here here's a whole bunch of shit And, and to be fair there is also other stuff broken right. out into the book, but this... this right straight this up just, in the DM section, like, here you go. Here, we're going to show you how this game yeah. is played. Here's five pages of it. I also love that your character retirement is happily ever after. Yeah. Like, that can be a thing. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, due due to uh, the barrier gaze trope and uh, the, the damage that the haze code and stuff like that did for so long, uh, it's it's not a typical... It's not a typical thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so many stories, especially, especially trans stories, get the, you know, get, get, a, get, a, get a tragic ending. Yeah. And it's so nice to see a piece of queer media that is aimed at queer people that offers happily ever after yeah. as just an option. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, we're thirsty sword lesbians, and yeah, there's swords involved here, man, but like... And then the sunset, and we walk away holding hands. Yeah, this isn't this isn't Thelma and Louise. This right. isn't and the band played on. Yeah, like yeah, I know those stories. That was the truth between the seventies, eighties, and nineties. Tell me, give me a contemporary story, or give me five contemporary stories that sit within the LGBTQ that are that are in popular stream that end with a happy ending. You, you want. Uh, an escape this this game is that escape it is a good escape and i i i applaud it for that 
And I think more good escapes need to occur. We need to stop dying in a blaze of glory, right? That is, it happens in too many games, you know? Yes, cowboys can walk off into the sunset alone, and that's wonderful. But, like, whatever happened to settling down and, and having a coffee shop, right? And and just having a good life with a cat. Yeah. And your partner. Yeah. That's wonderful. It's never just one cat. It's never just one cat. It's always that damn orange cat. All right. Speaking of which, what doesn't thirsty sword lesbians do? Uh, okay. So we had a we had a pretty long discussion about how yeah. it's it's maybe not for everybody. You know, um, I don't I don't think I mean uh, it does say you don't have to be queer to play this game. Correct. But you but but always be respectful, and mm-hmm. I think that's that's correct. Um. But I don't think it goes out of its way um, to welcome uh, cisgender heterosexual people. It does not. Um, uh, in fact, it can it can seem pretty uh, obtuse um, from from that standpoint. And again, I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, but yeah, like I don't think it owes it to us, or to us, to to you, honestly. Yeah. Uh, because ostensibly, I am the target audience. In many ways, you are. Um, In many ways, but not all of them. But, uh, but uh, you know, it, it, like like you said, you compared it to Zhang Shi, Blood in the Banquet Hall, and I think it's a great comparison. Where Zhang Shi has a whole section basically saying this is a cultural exchange. You do not have to be Chinese. You do not have to be an immigrant to play this game to understand this game understand you will be playing a character of chinese descent because that is literally what the game is and it recommends you play it with people of chinese descent exactly but it's but it's a it it goes out of its way to exchange culture Mm -hmm. to say we are sharing this with you so you can better understand our culture please play this with respect here are some guidelines on how to do so and thirsty sword lesbians um does not have that section in it mm-hmm. it does not say here is how to portray a queer person in a respectful way and at the same time though i don't i don't think a it needs to mm-hmm. because it's okay that, that you're that some things just are not made for you but b the broadness of experience in queer lives mm-hmm. i mean i myself I, I i like to tout about how queer i am because i'm both trans and bi mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. i've got two letters of lgbt not just one <laughs> you do. You do. but man i am i am as binary f- female as they come mm-hmm. um i'm like a solid kinsey three i conform to a lot of the typical uh, uh, expectations of femininity, of, of physical expression, et cetera, et cetera. Um, honestly, I'm pretty boring, and I, like that's even why when I when I transitioned, I chose the name Sarah mm-hmm. because it was just a very plain, unembellished name. Mm-hmm. It was normal, and normalcy was what I was seeking. And in many ways, it's still what I am seeking. Mm-hmm. You know, I would like my life to be calm. Mm-hmm. I would like to die at 86 of boredom asleep in my bed, you know? <laughs> the world, unfortunately, isn't giving me that opportunity currently, but... It's not painting that road. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's 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 being a little more exciting than I wanted it to be, and unfortunately, you know, 
It's 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 the road signs right now are telling you about things that are upcoming, and they're not what you want to see. Yeah, it is it route. is radicalizing me quickly. But yeah. um, but that said, though, uh, you know, my life experience is not a lot of other people's life experiences. Okay, I don't, I couldn't tell you mm-hmm. what the life experience of being non-binary is. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not exclusively lesbian. I'm right. I'm not butch. I'm barely femme. Right. You know, et cetera, et cetera. I can't tell you what weight these and idiosyncrasies these labels come with. Mm-hmm. And that's just on the sapphic side of the queer spectrum, you know? Yeah. Uh so to to try to encapsulate all of that into some sort of a player's guide for cishat people mm-hmm. of like, here's some do's and don'ts. Mm-hmm. Um would would cheapen all of those identities. Yeah. Would tokenize all of those identities. Almost yeah, I, literally. Yeah, and and unfortunately, that is exactly how many view it. Like, and you even went so far as to look at some of the some of the negative reviews about this game, where they were like, "This is a terrible game." You know it it marginalizes the game down to its sexuality. Yeah, because that's what they understand. Because they view as, they view as queer a, relationships as inherently sexual. Because that's all they can view it as. They have no reference point. Right. They've, it's not a discussion. Yeah. Right. Everything comes down to this that. is about girls kissing. Of course, this is sexual. Like, yeah. No, not not really. Like that's like viewing everything in J- Japanese culture through the lens of the samurai. Right. Right. It, yes, that is one lens, but it is not even remotely accurate. Yeah. Like, and it's it's like saying that all uh, every time uh, every he- every heterosexual person kisses, mm-hmm. it's inherently sexual. No, sometimes there's kisses of love, there's kisses of friendship, there's there's kisses of desire. There's all there's a whole spectrum between love and lust and uh, you yeah. know and, and intimacy that 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 a single kiss can encapsulate. Wait till next show. We're going to get into a long discussion about de- uncoupling the word love. <laughs> but you're going to boil yeah. down a game about gir- two girls kissing yeah. as inherently sexual. And that's yeah. just not, that's not great. And and I think, I mean... I, yeah, he thinks right. There's the kiss of death. Where's that in here? That's We've not got a... swords. We're not just lesbians. We're, we're also sword wielders. That's true. That is very true. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to go back over what I said at the opening because I... I I am not the target of this game. Mm-hmm. I am not this. And the only point that I will come back to, and I, 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 I went back scrolling and I realized the key that was, that was told to us that, that I overlooked until the moment that I said it. And I knew I wanted to come back to it. And that was in the, the section about the laws of the table. The last thing they put in there is, not to demand anyone educate you about their marginalizations. Yeah. Yeah. That should have been in bold and highlighted. That is the truth of the book. It is not here to educate, to ask, let me ask you questions about how I should be running this on those marginalizations. Mm hmm. That's for me to figure out. So I, I, I'm not saying that in a negative context. I'm saying that the book is doing what it was meant to do that this game is doing what it was meant to do. It was not meant to be run by someone by picking it up off the shelf and saying, hey, let's do this cool thing mm-hmm. and have us all be, you know, t- token flaming and gay and, and fucking around. I'm not saying that that isn't a way to get into this and then find out that you're in an emotional roller coaster of death. Sure. Sure. Why not? 
you're going to be in trouble. Might awaken something in you. You don't know. And I dare say it probably would. Mm -hmm. At the same time, this game does not set up the safety net either. As far as like what you're going to run into. Because the, the distance between player and character, because you're dealing with emotional connection points. Because it is all emotional. And it is emotional forward. That is the dangerous line. And that's one of the things that I think it does not do well is help you understand the bleed. exit strategy of bleed. Yep. Yep. Nowhere in here that I could find in any level of bold text was anything that said, if you have an emotional breakdown at your game because of discovery, here's the suicide hotline number. Yeah. Here are other contact numbers when... The person at your table who you didn't know was queer suddenly just felt like they were outed mm -hmm. or discovered, and now they're terrified. Yeah. Like, that is, <laughs> that is the cis entry point of concern that I would have with this game. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't explore it, but I am saying don't explore it with a random group of people. Yep, agreed. You do Agreed. not know what you're getting into. And number two, storytellers, if you're going to crack this book, be prepared. Mm -hmm. You're going to be playing a lot of hats. And like any good person who's ever stepped into theater, as a, and I will say this, as a sit, cis hat person who stepped into theater and sang a line to another girl on stage and immediately following that got asked, are you two a couple? Multiply that feeling by a thousand. Yep. When you play five different NPCs in the game, one who's gay, one who's bi, one who's lesbian, one who's just queer, and one who doesn't know yet. Mm -hmm. And have your table look at you a little oddly of like, how are you that in touch with my connections? Yep. So... <laughs> You're not wrong. There is a minefield here if you are not in a group. And I'm going to put one other caveat to this that maybe it's just me. Mm -hmm. This is not a game for an audience. A live audience. Like, your, your, your girlfriend decides to come and watch the game. You don't want side commentary at a game like this. I I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree, I'm gonna disagree just simply because I think there is there is a a whole side of the discussion we're having now. Mm -hmm. no, I'm not saying anything we've said has been invalid. Fair. Taking everything we just said as as valid criticisms of the emotional weight and impact Correct. Correct. and possible consequences. Correct. I think it's also possible that we're taking things too seriously. And I think having a light game of She-Ra, Princess of Power, where we're bouncing around shooting friggin' rainbows out of our swords mm -hmm. at the at the robot invasion from outer space, as we defend the lands of Eternia from the back of a from a, of a talking unicorn, <laughs> is a okay. I think this game, this system, runs that perfectly, and I think if you don't get in deep too deep into the you can get into the emotional stuff. The you emotional can. stuff is very forward. 
but that doesn't also mean that this is going to be ugly cry at therapy game every single time. Right. And and that's that's what I agree with. I yeah. agree with that statement in the sense that the deeper you go, the more you have to understand Correct. all of the tools that are involved in the process. And honestly, that's true for any game that has depth. And that's and that's why you have things like the check-in and the X card. If you if, if, somebody, if somebody does feel like they're in over their head, there are safety tools that are placed yep. very forward and, uh, in in this game system to allow you a ripcord. Yes, yes. Also, it, on a lighter note, don't go into this expecting that they're going to hand you a fully flushed out setting with everything that you need to just hit the ground running with with step by step adventuring. This mm-hmm. is not adventuring. Yeah. This is a this is a meld of the advent of the story connecting with the characters. If you want to play the Sishat version of this, play Monster Hearts. It's basically the same setup. Yes. But it's monsters in high school instead of a bunch of queers doing yep. whatever a bunch of queers do. Yep. 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 So I'm I'm gonna step right out of this and into the first question because I think it's a great exit point. But I'm, I'm gonna put one cap on this before oh, we before we do this. I apologize. There's a comment that Knox in the Box made that is hilarious, and I've been trying to find a place to appropriately slip into the discussion. And I can't find one. He said, <laughs> "LGBT amat. That's why all the colored heads." I I I have no commentary. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> ten, ten out of ten. ten. I have no notes. Yeah. Like, like... <laughs> That's accurate. <laughs> Excellent. It is accurate. All right. That needed to be shared with the world. Fair First enough. question. First and only question. Yeah. <laughs> Which in- intrigues me, but because the number of people who commented that they were interested in this. Sure. Uh, but at the same time, didn't want to ask questions. Right. <laughs> Maybe we'll get some for next week. Let's. You can always come back. Remember, if you if you do have questions for us about a system that, that we've done a spotlight on, feel free to throw the questions in the for the next show. We'd love it. That'd be great. Uh, but anyways, Nevin's got this question. What elements from Thirsty Swords lessons could lesbians could be taken out into other games? Honestly, several. Um, but one of the ones, like I had talked about earlier, um, which I think you could directly pull right out, is the formidable NPC triggers. I think that as a chart for you just to keep off to the side, that when you're in either a combat-heavy game or even a narrative combat game, or just a situation where you've got an NPC that you're not necessarily sure what's going on, you can quickly check that chart as like, is this person now angry? Mm -hmm. Is this person now frightened? Is this person now guilty or hopeless or insecure? And have a response that's right there for you to kind of go, oh yeah, I could do that. I think that helps make your NPCs, again, more lifelike by giving you a response that maybe you weren't prepared for mentally. Mm -hmm. Because we often say, like, oh, you know, the NPCs meet with this villain and then, like, three-shot him, right? Well, you can always do a pause in there and and, and have a, a move. Okay, yes, you could have them make a move that, you know, they twirl their mustache and get away. But why not have that have an emotional connection Mm -hmm. why not have them get frightened and in that frightened moment make the pcs make a choice Mm -hmm. right between them and or saving themselves or someone else right that those kinds of moments create way better tension than the deceiving moment of oh i got away yeah right like that right there is, I think, one of the coolest things. Like, I love the moments when you think you have a villain and that villain, like, 
starts to go over the edge and instead throws out like a, a hook that grabs the foot of of one of the heroes that was on that is weak mm-hmm. and starts dragging them over the edge with them. Yeah, yeah. And now they're hanging there off of the friend who is just about to go over the edge with them, and you have to make the decision. Like, you can't reach the tether to cut that person free, but you've got a hand on your friend. And you're making that that longing decision of how you're going to get through that situation. The uh, the one I've always loved is uh, not lobbing a physical grenade, but an emotional grenade. Sure. Um, it's one of the big reasons why I love the Buffy musical episodes so much. Oh, okay. Because that that episode is one gigantic emotional grenade. Yeah. Um, the premise being that the villain makes you sing about the things that are deepest in your heart, i.e. the secrets you've been keeping from everyone. Yeah. The things you really feel that you haven't talked to them about. And uh, at the end of the episode, everyone has sung a song in front of their other friends and revealed that they're they're insecure they're frightened they don't love the other person as much as they profess to um that you know all sorts of stuff Mm -hmm. and uh the 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 villain delivers the line all these secrets you've been concealing say you're happy now once more with feeling yeah and everybody just kind of realizes oh yeah, he literally walks off. Yeah, at that point, he just goes back to whatever nether realm he's from. Uh, but he wins. That's yeah. that's how he wins because everybody is standing there going, "Oh, I don't feel so good about any of this anymore." Right. And now all of my friendships are in doubt. I I, I go to uh, the the now famous um, Star Trek episode where they're all singing, mm-hmm. and there is a lot that's uncovered in that and I... opens up all kinds of lines of story yeah i watched i watched that episode of uh strange new worlds yeah. and uh i beautiful ask 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 heatsink that's what i was saying through the entire thing was like this is this is once more with feeling in it space is. but it's it's not just once more with feeling but it's also exploring it because some of it's in some of it is in private mm-hmm. and in that sense those people are now uncovering the truths that they were hiding from themselves. Sure, absolutely. And you come can to hide terms. stuff from yourself. It's just as emotionally impactful, yeah. But what it also does is it, it gave the writers a moment to basically just expose. Yeah, sure. Of, Here's the... You know, we're going to end this thing here, but the rest of this is just going to carry on. Mm-hmm. So so what if what if your villain, instead of, like I said, you said, throwing out your grappling hook and being right. like, ah, I'm going to rip you off the edge with me, just being like, all right, you've beaten me this time, heroes. But uh, how good are you going to feel about it when, you know, so-and-so finds out that you've been cheating on her with the cleric? Right. Ta! Yeah. What, what did he mean you've been cheating on me with the cleric? Nothing. Baby, baby, it means nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. He's the villain. You can't believe him. This explains where you've been all those times. Yep. Baby, no! Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. But the the hard part about doing those kind of grenades is you've got to have information. Oh, sure. And that's where this game shines in that sense. Yeah, exactly. But there's nothing to say that you couldn't do things like that. Mm-hmm. You couldn't force pauses. I think stagger is great. Mm-hmm. I think the idea of staggering someone, basically just taking the moment that you've you've emotionally hit them in a way that it it throws them off. They they can't make their next action. Not because they're not physically able, not because they're not skilled enough to do it, but because literally what just was thrown at them 
wasn't emotional. And now they have to kind of take a minute to figure out how to handle that, right? That mechanic, that simple mechanic, I think would radically change a lot of games. Yeah, I agree. The idea that a villain, instead of having, like, in D&D, having, like, a room rule or, like, an like a something, you know, a, a layer action or even a villain action that can drop in at any time, just has the ability to stagger you with a comment. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you can't take an action. Why? You're staggered emotionally. Tell me what he said to you. Huh. It's like, wait, you're not going to tell me? No. You're going to tell me what he said that emotionally staggered you. What would really, what what in this moment would bother you most? That would stop you for just a minute and make you think instead of taking taking the next strike with your sword? I'm not good enough. Maybe you're not good enough to take him out. Mm-hmm. Do you really think you could kill me? You came all this way, and you really think you can take me? God, you are bold. Right. Like, uh... Okay, you're staggered. Great. Yep. Next. Yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and that's the whole thing, is, is that that simple act takes it away from the combat and brings it back to the person. Yeah, yeah. And their connection with whatever's going on. And I love that. Sometimes you're just not capable of it, but I, th- I think a stagger is a great is a great piece to be able to do that. Uh, I I actually I really like I really like strings, and I don't think that strings are that um, ingrained in the Powered by the Apocalypse system that you, they can't be easily lifted and supplanted into whatever other game system you're playing. Okay. Um, I I think they they make they make for just a real great like. Um, marker system you know even if you're not doing them as like deep emotional you know bonds or anything like that but just even just doing them as hey you owe me a favor i have a string on you you know right we did that thing that one time and you still owe me for it yeah seeing those in like a cyberpunk game i could see very easily yeah it's it is a lot of the um a lot of the same kind of currency that gets spent with like reputation sure and stuff like that but it genericizes it to the point where it could be emotional yeah it's it very could... it's very interpersonal at yeah. that point, you know. Yeah. Reputation I think says a lot about who you are in the grand picture. Yes. Whereas strings I think are very they're very intimate. Like you, you know, you are making a connection with someone. Right. And in that connection that is making a difference and that connection doesn't have to be that that instant connection doesn't have to be something so much as you're reaching out to them, but so much as you touching them in a way. Yeah, I mean, like I, I I've been I've been playing through a t- Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven lately. Yeah. Um, and like I think there's a lot of really great examples of that, especially with like Johnny Silverhand's old crew and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a point in the story where you you get to kind of see part of Johnny's story, and he goes to um recruit into his crew one of his old one of his old flames rogue mm-hmm. and he walks in and she's like i should i should shoot you where you stand like i i don't want to hear a word out of your mouth the answer is no turn around and leave mm-hmm. and he's like come on rogue it's me come on we did that thing together all right at least hear me out and plus this is the other person involved we got to go rescue her and i was like oh, crap she's involved yes uh, that's a string. That's just a string. I have a string on Rogue. She's going to say yes to my request. She's not going to like it. She's going to feel 
compelled. She's going to feel put upon. Um, she's going to feel manipulated when mm-hmm. I do this, but she will agree because I have a string on her. Hey, Sarah. Hmm. We dug coal. We dug coal together. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Boyd Crowder gets away with what he does in Justified because he has a string on Raylan. And Raylan gets away with it at the end, proving that someone is gone. He goes, how could I could possibly believe you? We dug gold together. Yep. He manipulates him with it. Yep. 100%. Yep. I loved that. I yep. loved that, that it was turned at the end. And I think it was a beautiful way of displaying that. Yep. Um, but at the same time, I think it can come off in a totally different direction. Um in the sense of like uh, Wreck It Ralph, mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite fixes. Felix is 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 dealing with the uh, uh, is at one point uh, with uh, I can't remember her name the the commando lady. Uh, yeah, and, Jane Lynch. Yeah, Jane Lynch. Yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah. right. Yeah, and uh, he calls her a dynamite gal, and suddenly she has this huge flashback. She has this PTSD flashback right in front of us. It's amazing, and that it's that simple. Yeah. Yeah. That, like, I'm going to pull a string on her by calling her a dynamite gal. Oh, man. You... Okay. Ooh, okay. Okay. You want to uncork that particular powder keg, you go right ahead. But but at the same time, I look at that and, like, that's that could have just been a guard. Yeah. Right? Like, you're you're hitting on him and you're like, you know what? I'm going to pull a string on this guard. What are you going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm gonna point past him toward what I'm looking at. And as he turns his head, I'm just going to bring my hand back and grace the edges of his chin to draw his face back toward mine. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but Sergeant Calhoun, thank you, Knox. Thank you. Thank you, yes. Knox. I appreciate that. But, like, again, this game evokes reminders yeah. of where these things can be used. And it's through all media. Mm-hmm. This is a there's a lot of emotion that can be put out there and it does a good job job of referencing that through all of its functional uh mechanics. So I'm not saying that any of the mechanics aren't that portable. Yeah, really. You can you can pretty I mean that's the beauty of Powered by the Apocalypse is it's narrative that sits on top. Yeah. Yep. So if you need it, it's there for you. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the beauty of Powered by the Apocalypse. It's, it's very fiction first, and the rules are just kind of there to support the fiction. So they're very light. They float, you know? Yeah, there's, there's nothing to say that you couldn't just grab this whole system and just kind of drop it on lightly on top of Fate, or drop it on top of of uh, Cortex, or drop it on top of something else. Sure. Where you need emotional connections and more personal than grand social. Yeah, yeah. So, All right, yes, let's... there's a lot. Let's wrap this up here. All right. Let's put a bow and say next episode, we are talking about relationships. Yes. And this is where I kind of earlier flagged on the fact that like love comes in many shades. Yeah. And that's the whole idea is is that you don't have to use the, the capital L romance love angle. There is many grades of that. Mm -hmm. And those grades come out in different ways. And so next episode, we'll talk about, like, envy and attraction. Sure. And how they can infiltrate your game in ways that are predictable. 
and can be presented in really good context in the narrative. Yeah, I, I think I think uh, for for especially for a lot of play, a lot of people, um, like the the whole concept of like oh the the bard sh- the the bard seduces everyone is like the closest they get to role playing relationships in games, and so we just want to kind of deep dive that one and just really kind of say how how else that could turn out for you, you know. Also, that like family love is a thing. Yep, and that's okay. Exactly. Also, is family hate, but we'll get to that as well. All so, right. You can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave. And join us on our Discord. We'd love to hear from you there. Shoot us some questions. And uh, you can find that link on our Twitter as well as our website, StorytellerConclave.com. We'd like to thank our Patreon members uh, who help us out every single month, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, Subject, the Arcane Asylum Veteran, Hulu Sam, Sean, and Sparkle Motion. We appreciate all your support. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find them on Instagram or on Patreon or on uh, YouTube music at Arcane Anthems. Uh, our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find them at geefrog.pancamp.com or on YouTube music. And our outro music is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Meteor Machine. You can find them at freemusicarchive.org. And a big shout-out, as always, to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank, Thank you so you. much for loving and supporting us. All of our families who've shared, uh, our friends who've shared us all these great stories to share with you over the years, and you, every single one of our listeners. We love you guys so much. Love Good you guys. Night. Good night.